0: This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of The Pitch from Kansas City. I am the editor-in-chief of The Pitch and the host of this show, Mr. Brock Wilber. How are you doing out there? Are your vibes slightly less than ideal? Well, uh, they are all around. I assume that you've heard the news by now, uh, which keeps changing. But uh, starting Monday morning, we are back into a citywide mask mandate. Why is that? Boy, uh, if you look up uh, what a COVID map looks like these days, Missouri is sort of the epicenter <laughs> of something very, very bad. Uh, we are back to November numbers in terms of hospitalizations and cases. Um, things, things feel a little bleak out there. It feels like that moment uh, in March of last year where maybe even starting as early as January, where where you're like, I hear about this thing happening overseas. Certainly it won't make it here. And then it made it here. And you're like, oh, it, it, it's a very small number of cases. Certainly this won't be a thing. And it just keeps going where you're like, certainly this won't go to the next level. Except this time around, we're doing it at like eight times the speed <laughs> of what we did before. We seem to be doing pretty OK uh, right up until we weren't. So that's the thing we'll be following uh, as I'm sure it impacts all of our lives in a huge way in the weeks to come. So uh, what do we talk about now that we're back from summer break? I love my dog. Dog is back. Dog went on summer break as well. He spent a month at uh, Obedient School at KC Dogs, D-A-W-G-Z. Uh, wonderful people there. Wonderful team. Uh, they helped him out. Our dog was a rescue. He'd spent his entire first three years of his life in a kennel, um, didn't see open spaces, didn't get to hang out with people. And so when we brought him home, um, I've mentioned before, but he saw our backyard and kept forgetting to use the restroom because he was just like, what's all this space? What's that sky? Anyway, he uh, he's always loved Viv and never liked me uh, and uh, never liked anybody else. Really, it's, it all stems from being a little nervous baby. Uh, who who just loves my wife so very much, so much since that, in fact that uh if a door closes and he can't see her, he will just throw up out of panic almost immediately. So they're a little bonded at the hip and that's fine, but he's uh he's never let me take him for a walk. Uh or or really pet him that much. He, he it's like Viv adopted a dog and for the first year with us, Captain Trips was just her dog and something that lived between the two of us. Uh, He would growl if I kissed her. I was like, you're not the husband, buddy. Um, He doesn't know that. Anyway, he went to obedience school for a month. Uh, Our our time there was delayed by a few months because uh, Patrick Mahomes took his dog to the same training camp and tweeted about it, and then their calendar filled up for a few months, which, good on them. Uh, Anyway, uh, the work with the dog really helped him like we were we were hesitant clearly for the first year to be like i don't think anybody needs to work with training him we don't want any sort of negative energy in his life but then we were like look he's just terrified all the time him nipping at people just comes from this terrified little baby anxiety which you can tell because every time he'll nip at somebody he immediately realizes i shouldn't have done that and he'll shove his face into your hand as his way of trying to apologize but If he bit you, you probably aren't in the mood to be petting him back. So, I don't know. Uh, It turned out uh, it worked wonders because it gave him a sense of stability. Uh, He understands that certain things happen now. And uh, when X thing happens, Y is the result. He understands, like, a communication with us. He understands how the world works in some ways. And he has just been... The happiest goddamn animal. Uh, And finally, uh, I have a dog. A year late to the game, but like I can take him on walks and we sit on the couch together and pal about. Uh, It is it is really, really nice. And if we are in danger of having to go back inside for a bit, which, uh, yeah, it's it's good that uh, that he is prepared to spend some time around me if that were to happen. Um, I don't know. If everyone's followed it this week uh, in the same way as the the return of the mask. Uh, but uh, we've also been getting announcements from the state of Missouri that uh, the the city of Kansas City has an ozone issue. Uh, this is one of the times this is one of the first times we've had to deal with this, uh, especially for a bunch of days running. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, the the air outside is hazardous to breathe. So we've reached a point where it's dangerous to be inside and it's dangerous to be outside. And uh, a number of my friends just keep uh, texting me to ask, what is it that Missouri did to anger God? And honestly, there's a lot of answers to that question over the years, Uh, but uh, we probably don't deserve this. So um, anyway, be safe out there. I have a dog we will keep providing you with up-to-date information on everything that's going on in our apocalyptic city uh, via ThePitchKC.com, where we're always trying to do our very best to keep you up-to-date. Anyway, we have a a great episode today. It's good to be back in rotation with you. Um, I have an interview uh, later with Brian Daldorf, uh, who is an author. Uh, He has a book out called Words is a Powerful Thing. It's about spending two decades... Uh, teaching uh, literature and creative writing to prison inmates uh, near Lawrence—it's—it's um, a—it's a really fascinating text, and we have a really excellent conversation about that. Um, but uh, but first up, Nick's music corner.
1: Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for the Pitch. Here with this week's local music recommendation. It seems like it was only yesterday that we were premiering the video for the Wild Types' Not Tonight Josephine over at the Pitches blog. Then I checked the date, and it turns out it was just after Christmas in 2019. Time is meaningless these days, unless it's to remind yourself that the Rachel Mallon fronted band's new tape, Thank You Stranger, is due out digitally and on limited edition cassette from Manor Records next Friday, July 23rd. The band's first single in over a year and a half is Closet Anthem and serves as the opening track for the five-song EP. The collection of songs are the remnants of a potential album the band was working on when the pandemic struck, then Malin moved to Austin and the band went on break. Given that Thank You Stranger is being billed as a farewell and thank you, one can assume that the group is done, which is sad given the pure pop sensibilities of Closet Anthem and its enveloping grooves. You can pre-order Thank You Stranger at thewildtype.bandcamp.com. Here's closet anthem.
0: nick and now that we're back uh i'm gonna throw it to nick Um, because uh jason our guy that normally reads the magazines uh he has done a move uh from los angeles to detroit and his computer is still not set up we hope to have him back next week jason we love you and we're glad you made it to detroit safely um so we're gonna run a double nick's music corner episode nick take it away from nick
1: Hello, I'm Nick Basic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. This morning, I mowed my lawn at 8.30, thinking that it would let me get it done before the heat got to be too much. I was very, very wrong, and basically spent the rest of the day sitting in the house, treating the sun like it was my enemy, and outside was a war zone into which I didn't want to step. All of that's to say that I listen to a lot of new music, and Ricky Roosevelt's new collab with Alcohol's, uh, the Trackstar cassette, um, is the most perfectly suited release to this weather I've heard yet. It's laid back beats, relaxed bars, and manages to meld synthwave into trap in a way that I didn't even know was possible. Trackstar sounds like the world outside my windows, where things are either melting in the heat or going slowly to keep from collapsing. The end result is something new, yet familiar, and opening cut, No Tent, sets the stage perfectly for the rest of the album. Ricky Roosevelt and Alcal's Track Star Cassette is a limited release from Vivid Zebra and Fuck Life, and you can snag one of the 15 copies at Fuck Life. That's F U K L Y F E. ebandcampcom Here's No Tent.
2: You bugging bruh, get, a, get grip. a grip Network, get checks, network, PBS, <laughs> no games, no DS, yes. no bullshit, no BS. Uh yeah, just riding, riding out in the whip. No so we about to go make a trip, uh, Get that money, make it flip, uh Running through Las Vegas, driving down the strip. No tin. No tin ten. no team no tin. up, cuz trying to hit you up, uh. I'm
3: sitting here in mobiles just chilling. I'm chilling like a villain, Sent here studying Biggie Smalls, even though a Latino chick says I got big balls and big
2: bars. (laughs) Nah, but I was just calling to hit you up, though, man.
3: Just trying to see what's up, though, and trying to get on the track with you. Trying to rap, trying to get with the rap, the rap pack crew started taking fat women's you started taking women's back eat the bacon off
0: they back thank you nick so great to hear from you twice this week uh and now finally my uh my interview with brian um this is this is really fascinating and near and dear to me as you'll hear in the interview uh i i have a couple of years experience doing something very similar to what brian was doing and wrote the book about but on a much smaller scale uh and uh I, I didn't handle it as deftly as he did, but it is still um, part of uh, a life-changing thing for me. Uh, so uh, here, here's a conversation about a book and some experiences and uh, and some excellent people. Uh, here we go. Brian, welcome to the show. It's really nice to meet you. Would you uh, tell the audience who you are?
3: <laughs> yes, I'm Brian Daldorf. I teach at the University of Kansas, and I also teach at Douglas County Jail.
0: What is your life story? What brings you to Kansas?
3: <laughs> well, I came to the States to do graduate work
0: and started at
3: Illinois State University and then got my PhD from University of Illinois. And in 1990, I moved to Kansas to work at the University of Kansas. And I've been here since then. What, what, what do you teach at uh, KU? <laughs> so I teach in the English department and I teach literature and writing classes. I teach creative writing classes every semester. And that's what I teach at the jail.
0: Uh, which brings us to the jail. So we are here talking because you have a new book out. Uh, Words is a powerful thing. 20 years of teaching creative writing at Douglas County Jail. and. I've, I've not gotten to spend as much time with it as I wanted, but I've gotten to spend enough time to know that it's a really incredible uh, release. I, I, I guess, let's would you explain the story of how you've spent the last 20 years teaching writing, writing in the Douglas County Jail?
3: <laughs> yes, thank you. So I started teaching there in 2001. It was something that I was always interested in, and I had some experience in that field before but this was really a major commitment and I began teaching there because two of my colleagues at the University of Kansas had a writing class there which they had to give up for various reasons and when I took over the class it became primarily a creative writing class and after that I really went to the jail most every week over the last 20 years working with the inmates there uh, working on their writing and producing a number of books out of their writing and working with them over the years and just meeting some really incredible writers with uh, life stories to tell which i think are important and that's one reason why i wanted to get their stories out as much as possible
0: so I've I've also uh, taught uh, writing uh, to uh, a mostly uh, a uh, a teenage incarcerated incarcerated population uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I did so for three or four years. Um, I don't think probably to the extent that you have, but I found the uh, the entirety of it uh, both very hopeful and very jarring, uh, especially the sometimes the disconnect between um I suppose what is presented about the author and and what you understand of their situation uh, versus what they had inside of them what was your what was your first year of this like what were the things that came as surprises what were the things that that you were just like I I, I can't believe this is happening in this moment
3: <laughs> well I was working with a population who have, stories to tell as you know from your own experience doing something like this and a very good reason to tell it I mean they were guys who were trying to come to terms with their lives what they'd done and where they were going and one of the best ways to do this was to write it to try to tell their stories to try to get at things that they really needed to deal with and they were able to do that to a great extent through writing. The first year there, I mean, I I realized as soon as I started this, that it was gonna be a really important experience for me. I thought I could do some really good work in this situation. And one of the things that I noticed right away was the kind of intensity of the class and how that contrasted with the majority of my teaching in a university. I was just working with people who just seemed to need much more what was going on in the classroom than many of my students from the university whose lives were just in very different places and not not needing to tell their stories so much as the guys that i worked with at the jail and so i mean right away for a writing teacher this was just a really interesting situation to be in and i just thought that i could do some really good work in this way, working with guys who really needed to tell their stories.
0: So you're saying that, uh, you know, college students in an English program do not have the intensity or the immediacy of of a life story that they need to get on paper, quite like people that are in an incarcerated population.
3: Yes, in, in broad terms, that's what I'm saying. Of course, there are individuals who are very different from that. But just in a broad way of looking at things that was my experience I was working with people who really needed what I was doing in the classroom at the and of course you know for an instructor that that feels good like you're doing something important like it really matters what you're doing and I, I like that about it right away
0: I uh so a thing that I love to ask about people that are that are working in this space um, <laughs> I I was temporarily suspended from my volunteer position because uh, we had something of a curriculum that was set by some very uh, well-meaning middle-aged white women that had never set foot uh, inside one of these facilities. And they were like, this is the week that you'll tell them about song lyrics. Uh, And they sent me in uh, with a a bunch of printed out copies of some Katy Perry songs. uh, And the boys I was working with did not understand what to do with that. So we pivoted to talking about... uh, Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly," and when the uh, the home office found out about that, they thought what I'd done was inappropriate, and I had to take a small break. And I was like, yeah, "They were never going to connect with the Katy Perry song that you sent my way." What what sort of material did you bring into the classroom? And like, what over the years here, as you work with this population, what what works do you find resonate with your students? Uh, what what have you what have you changed about your approach to teaching there?
3: <laughs> yes, it's it's a really good question. And I quite understand the story that you told there, because the guys that I worked with, they 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 would respond to a particular type of material, and that wasn't always going to be allowed into the classroom, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but I, I had to be careful uh with, with what I used and I had to always uh, clear it with the uh, people that I worked with at the jail, just to make sure that I didn't get them into trouble by doing something that the administration would not approve of.
0: One oh of asking the, permission that thing that professionals should do yes I, I did learn the hard way on that one.
3: <laughs> yes I just didn't want to do anything that would be a problem for them in their careers and also for the program that we were trying to to, to do there so I always made sure that I cleared things with the uh, people that I worked with inside the jail. Uh, one of one of the uh, poets that I used all the time in the classroom was Jimmy Santiago Baca, who is probably the the best known uh, poets, um, you know, former, formerly incarcerated, and he has a way of being able to speak to that population. It, in, in a way that that uh, resonates very deeply with them. So over the years, the poetry of uh, Jimmy Santiago Baca was very successful. I very much like the poetry of uh, Charles Bukowski, and again, I, I couldn't just bring in anything by Bukowski because there are certain things there that the administration would certainly not approve of. Sure, but yes, <laughs> there's a lot of material there that that really worked very well, but I would I would find songs that I thought the guys could relate to and they often did so I just found a lot of things that would work with population incarcerated and so many different things worked to just sort of get us talking get us moving in the class and get them writing and sort of thinking about how they would tell their own stories.
0: Do, so that that raises a really interesting question about uh, about what you use as material, which is that you're talking about uh, in, incarcerated poetry uh, and and incarcerated literature. Uh, do, is there <laughs> is there ever any hesitation to work with that because you're you're sort of reminding them of where they are currently trapped, or is there a, a good mix of like, look what you. Can accomplish while you are here, and then here are here are some things from from the outside world to to, to mesh with that to show you where you can go.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. So I mean, I think some of it has to talk to their current situation, and you know, a poet like Baca can do that because he's been through what they're going through. But I think you're quite right that there has to be other things too, and you know, for. All of the guys that I worked with, or most all of them anyway, this was not their total life experience. This was just a part of the experience. And they had many things on the outside that they would return to. And so there were plenty of other things that they would find relevant to their lives, to you know what they were thinking about and whatever. So yes, I think you're quite right. So, some things that would address their current situation, but plenty of other material too would would resonate with with an incarcerated population.
0: So there's also an interesting uh, sort of, I I know that this can exist across the spectrum because it sort of depends on the situation of of the population you're working with in terms of what they have access to. I I worked with mostly teenagers that also did not have access to a television. So I would often come in and they would ask me about things happening in sports. And I just did not keep up with sports. And I, I became a constant disappointment to them for not knowing uh, scores of various games or, or how a player was doing. But it it does become the sort of thing that like, no matter where you are on the spectrum, you also become both a lifeline to parts of the outside world, but are also placed in a situation where if I imagine that your experience and mine align in a way that, there's also a lot of questions that you wind up getting asked beyond the scope of, of writing, questions about life, questions about morality, questions about the future, questions about the, themselves. What, what were some of the, the situations you found yourself in where you were like, oh, this is, I, I recognize that creative writing, almost anything can fit into that box in terms of the thoughts around it like it is about considering life and considering self but but what were some of the things that you found yourself being like oh this is a much a much bigger discussion than what this started as around just like a central poem or something
3: well i mean that would happen so many times in the class <laughs> if we if we started talking about families then everybody had a story to tell if we were talking about illness which was a very common topic of the guys dealing with their own illness or dealing with the illness of family members. And everybody had something to say about that. We would talk about religion in the class, of course, because that was very important to many of the guys that I worked with. So it would come up in that way. And I think very often in the class we would start at a particular point and as you suggested, the discussion would kind of broaden into something much wider than that. And that was a very good way for the guys to talk about things that they had on their minds. And I think that you'll have found this too, from your experience, that the experience of incarceration, it does focus the mind quite marvelously. And you start thinking about things that probably you hadn't had time to think about before. And so the guys were thinking about their families. They were thinking about their jobs. They were thinking about where they might go in life where they come from what they need to deal with and so all of these things came into the class and i think with creative writing of course i mean there are no limits on really what you can bring into that and so we could go to many different places in the in the two hours of the class and i think the guys really appreciated that the opportunity to not only say what they wanted to say but to listen to what other people had to say too
0: So this one, uh, this one is either a question that has the, these are two questions and maybe they have the same answer or maybe they have different answers, but like, um, what is it that you, that you and your writing got from the experience of these two decades? And, and what is it that you hope people get from reading your book about the experience?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think I, I think my my own writing was very much influenced by what they did, we would do free writing in the class, I'm not sure if you did that with your class, but we always did free writing in the class where we had 10-15 minutes to write in the class, and many of the poems that I have later published and thought were pretty good in my writing came out of that class, you know, writing with the guys in the class, and there's a special kind of Energy that happens when you're doing that kind of group writing. So I mean, very directly, that affected what I wrote and what I wanted to do with my work. So I mean, what one of the one of the things that I want people to understand from the book is just the uh, significance of creativity, uh, storytelling. Uh, listening to what people have to say and I think all of that is always important but I think it becomes especially important in the
0: situation that I was working in. Uh, finally where can people track down a copy of the book?
3: So the uh, book is available on Amazon of course and um, it's it's available from the University of Kansas Press. They, they have a, a a website where you can Order it directly. And I think it will also be, it's certainly in bookstores in Lawrence, and I think that it will be in bookstores uh, more widely over the next months. But um, all, all sorts of ways of getting hold of the book, you know, if you uh, go online and, and search for it.
0: Uh, and that again is words is a powerful thing. Brian, thank you so much for talking to us to get today. Uh, uh, great luck to you with your continuing work with uh, with this population.
3: Thank you very much. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, good luck to you, too. All right. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that has been the Streetwise podcast from The Pitch. Uh, check out thepitchkc.com. We are doing news every single day. We are just really hammering it out these days. Uh, by the time you hear this, the new issue of The Pitch, the August issue, will be on stands uh, we are celebrating our bicentennial as a state, uh, so looking back at 200 years of Missouri, or 199, depending on if you count the last year. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to celebrate, <laughs> there's a lot to roast, uh, there's a lot of things that are good about us, and a lot of things that we can really do better, so it's a... Uh, it's a it's a celib- it's a it's a 200th birthday party that also contains a roast. So I really hope you enjoy all the perspectives that we bring to that one. Um if you ever feel like supporting uh local independent journalism via the pitchkc.com, there's a lot of options to become a sustaining member of what we do or toss a couple of bucks our way just to keep the lights on. Um it is what it is out there, folks, and <laughs> we appreciate everything that you can do that allows us to keep doing what we do uh providing what we consider to be an incredibly valuable service. Um that's it for me this week. I, I I hope everyone takes care. Um I I know that it feels like we are entering into an uncertain period. Yet again, it never feels like we're not entering into an uncertain period these days, and I'm really goddamn tired of it. So um Just take care of yourselves. Be smart out there. Do the best that you can do. Uh, Hitch in and we'll make it through. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, 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 bye.